Welcome back to Nurain, the Two Lights podcast. Um, my name is Sumeya, and this is Asil, and I just feel like we need another way to introduce ourselves. Um, but today we are going to, um, we're going to be talking again about something related to um, Palestine and what's going on there. I feel like we've been doing a whole lot of episodes about this recently, but it only seems fitting, and also there's so many lessons, I feel like, that we're all taking from what's going on and the fact that we can see it all firsthand through our phones. Um, so there's, they're just, you know, even though there's so many atrocities and horrible things that are happening, it feels like we're also taking a lot of lessons from everything that's going on, we're improving ourselves, and um, we're really able to see sort of the manifestation of a lot of like Quranic ayahs and hadith and all that stuff. So um, we're just going to be talking about something that does appear in the Quran um, in relation to the fact that hate of a certain group of people always spreads. And I was just telling Asil this before we turned the mic on, but when people when a group of people collectively decide that they're going to hate another group of people, that hatred does not stay confined to that one area. The ideology actually spreads and it doesn't just affect the people in that area. Of course, it affects them the most, but we tend to see that it spreads to other parts of the world and it affects every everyone else that has something in common with the people that are being oppressed. So what I mean by that is obviously for the past 75 years, um, Israel has just been oppressing Palestinians and, you know, of course, apartheid and all of the stuff that's been happening. And, you know, we don't need to explain because I think most people know if you don't educate yourself. Um, but recently in the past few months, in the past almost two months, We've been seeing this new sort of um, episode, I guess, of violence that has been so lasting, like way, way longer than it needs to. Um, but with that, it's not just the Palestinian people there that are being affected. Again, they're being affected the, the most. They're being affected the worst. Um, we can't even compare what we are being affected by with what they're being affected by. But that translates. And the fact that Israel and the United States and whatever other governments are standing as oppressors, the fact that they are doing so, so outwardly and so proudly, it has um, elicited hate crimes everywhere. But in the United States, we have had a few that have happened in the past few weeks. Um, you know, we had a six-year-old boy who was stabbed to death. Um, another Muslim doctor who was stabbed to death. And just recently, just a few days ago, there were three college students who were, were they, they were shot, I believe. Mm -hmm. And one of them may never walk again. And when you hear about these things, it's, it hits a lot closer to home because this is the country that we live in. This is the country that's supposed to be built on democracy and freedom and... Um, it's supposed to be like the most civilized place in the world, yet we see time and time again how this proves to be false. Um, 
so the I guess what we really want to talk about today is is that you know the fact that all of these hate crimes that are happening to Muslims that have been happening to Muslims these stereotypes everything since 9/11 since before that that really does affect us as Muslims you know um, and even for myself like it can be really scary to go out by yourself and be wearing your hijab and you just have no idea what someone is going to do to you or say to you or if you're going to be the next person that is just minding their own business and then they just get shot and then your life could be over or significantly compromised because you lose a limb or you you lose a vital organ or you you, you lose some sort of function in your body like you have no idea and for a lot of people they don't know what that's like because they don't have to live with this reality um but for us as muslims and for many other marginalized groups in different situations like these things really do affect us and i think it's just important to start viewing humans as humans like you can't just take someone's life because they're a certain ethnicity or from a certain background or believe in a certain religion um so that's kind of where we're going to go with this episode today yeah so like Sumeo was saying i mean you know there's always a, there's a phrase i don't know if it's actually a phrase or not or if it's just something my mom used to always say but she used to say like stress bleeds out and the same applies to hate and injustices that are happening in the world or any big world event where it's one group versus another or one group oppressing another the effects of that bleed out like Sumeo was talking about and we as Muslims especially Muslim women here in America specifically we really we're we're feeling an impact of of this you know we're like we said I guess I guess apparently we recorded another episode about Islamophobia and I'm just now like remembering this but like we said it sometimes feel like feels like you're a walking target like people can always can constantly you know, people can can choose you and pick you out of a crowd because of your beliefs, because of what you believe in, and because of that, with whatever hate that they were taught. And we have to realize that hate is taught. Hate is is learned. I, I, I at least believe that. Um, and the things that are in their hearts, it causes it causes them causes them to dehumanize to dehumanize other people, like Samaya was saying, like. It's 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 one of the many injustices in the world, but we have to realize hate and is such a dangerous weapon. It's such it's a, such a dangerous thing, um, and it starts by it's indoc it's indoctrinated into children from when they're a young age. Like we look at what's going on in Israel and Palestine, and we see the songs that children are singing about other children, and who see them as low lowly and sees them as animals because these are what the other gen older generations are teaching them. And I think that first and foremost within our own homes, we really have to make sure that we do not let the hate we have for other people lead us to to to, to thinking that we are better than anybody else or this or that um, and causes us to like have injustices towards others. I think another important thing, though, as Muslims who are walking around, at least for myself, right, as a Muslim woman, um, it's very scary. And I think with everything happening in Palestine it's feeling more and more real, like with everything, mm -hmm. like all of the different things that Samaya was talking about, the six-year-old boy, the college students, the doctor, all of these these terrible acts. And then the thing is, you see people getting away with it too. And it's so difficult to process that where they're not, it's not being charged as a hate crime or it's not, you know, it's it's taking a lot longer to, you know, to be, they're being, to be convicted. 
it's taking a long longer for them to be convicted you know and you see all of these things it's like it's not fair and it's not fair and it's just it's very frustrating you know and then you still have to live your everyday life the world doesn't stop for you the world doesn't stop when you're scared the world doesn't you know it life keeps going and people still keep hating and i think whenever we see that we first and foremost we have to keep loving and we have to keep doing our best but also we have to remember who we should really fear we should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and i think this is something that i have to constantly remind myself of especially more recently it's like okay sometimes it is scary to go out sometimes it's like um it's already hard enough to be a woman in this world especially in america right and then with everything that's going on someone can just see me and use me as a target they may have never known me Okay, but they see one thing and they you see my hijab or they see you wearing, I don't know, a kafiyah or whatever it is. And they are going to choose you out of the crowd and choose to do something to you. That's a very terrifying thought, you know. And But if anything, I think that that has woken me up at least to realize that you shouldn't take anything for granted. Your safety is not is not always, it's not something you should take for granted and it's something you should be immensely thankful for every single time you get to and from a place somewhere safe. And you remember that as you're walking around, you don't, you don't, um, what's the word? You don't like, I don't know, you don't try to hide yourself and you don't belittle who you are. I think that's something very important is you have to be a confident Muslim. And what a confident Muslim is, is regardless of what's going around in the world, you still hold your head up high. You still... You still hold firm to your beliefs because you know that you fear Allah and you fear Allah alone. What does that mean? It means, at least to me at least, it means that, okay, wow, yes, there are scary things that happen in the world. I know that my final destination and my final judgment and what's going to happen with me is with Allah. And that every every single thing that is seemingly a loss is actually a gain from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I really, that's, that's the way that I've started viewing life after everything that's going on. I mean, how can you not? You see these Palestinians who have lost everything. They have lost everything. Their semblance of security, of, of safety, of, of shelter, of everything. They've lost all of them. They haven't lost their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they see everything that they've lost as a reason to get closer to Him, as a way to get closer to Him. So, okay, for, for now, relating this back to our lives, right? We we have this this you know this unsecure sense of security which is kind of funny but that that's the reality and that's the case for a lot of us hijabi women uh, muslim men all of us we stand out you know if it's with our character or if it's with us praying in public or if it's with us wearing a hijab or just the, by the way that we look we do stand out and so with everything that's going on and we see hate continuing to rise on a crazy you know crazy scale um we have lost that sense of security but i think that we should be reinterpreting that as a means of okay we might have lost that but we can continue to to gain in our sense of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we're out, remembering our ifqad, remembering, you know, to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before you go to and from a place, to constantly be God conscious of him because he knows that he is your savior, he is your protector, and that anything that happens to you was already decreed by him, and therefore, if something is going to happen to you, then that, that's, that's, that's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you have to just learn to be content with that. Um, so I think if anything for me with what's going on in the world is just really shifting my perspective on what it means to be Muslim in America and it's um, It's really reminding me about what's important. What, what's this? What's this life all about? You know, so yeah, I think that it's also really Important that you pointed out like don't belittle yourself or don't lose your confidence or don't hide, you know 
as Asil said, like, we still have to continue on with our normal lives, even with everything going on, even with the risk. The thing is, the risk was always there. Mm -hmm. And as a hijabi, the risk was always there, you know? Um, but I think it's just in moments in times like this where things get amplified and people are encouraged to, um, to do all these things that they, they think are acts of good, right? Like we're ridding the world of these people. Um, but that confidence is, is so important, especially in times like this, because if all of us Muslims just choose to hide and we, we choose to cower, then how is anyone ever going to know what Muslims are really about? And so you can be scared. And I think that the important thing to remember, too, is that it's totally okay to be scared. Um, and I think that it's, it's really special to complain of your fear to Allah, right? Because he's the only one that can actually relieve you of these fears. He's the only one that can actually protect you, right? So you can be scared. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with having fear. But just like we mentioned in the last episode, the, the fear cannot paralyze you. It can't be something that puts a stop to everything. It can't be something that makes you lose sight of who you are and what you stand for. Um, so I think that this confidence in rooting yourself in your Islam and really figuring out your Islamic identity in this time is especially important. Because if they see all of us just hiding, if they see all of us being insecure in who we are, insecure in our faith, it's going to be much easier for them to actually inflict harm. And it's going to be, um, it's just that we're easier targets that way. We are absolutely easier targets that way. So I think that for sure, be cautious and be aware. You don't want to walk out and be naive. You don't want to put yourself in positions of harm, but also make sure that you don't let them take your connection with Allah away from you. No one can actually take that from you except if you choose to let them. So yeah, I would say don't don't hide. Don't make yourself smaller than you need to be. If anything, go out and really show people, show the world what your faith is all about. Um, I think it's so important for us to do that in you know, in school, in the workplace, wherever we're going, just the way that we interact with people, the way that we walk, the way that we talk. Um, I feel like something that I try really hard to do is like, I never know if I'm the first exposure that someone has had to Islam. And so I always want people to walk away from a conversation or, or an interaction with me feeling like, oh, like this girl was so amazing. She was so kind, blah, blah, blah. Not because I want them to think those things about me, but because I want them to think positively about the faith that I represent. Um, so yeah, I feel like that, that, was, that was a really good thing to bring up. Like, don't let the fear stop you. And I think you actually said something really powerful. You were talking about how the fact that people can't take away your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless you let it. And I think that, subhanAllah, the people in Palestine, they're, they're examples for so many things, but this especially, right? I mean, I was looking at a statistic earlier today, and it said that since October 7th, 88 mosques, I believe, have been completely demolished. And in like, Palestine? In, in, in Gaza specifically. Oh, oh, okay. um, I should have specified. But like since October 7th for the last 40-something days, right? And that di directly targeting places of worship is doing exactly what Sumaya was describing. It is trying to take you away and disconnect you 
from your belief, from your Lord. You know, in a situation like that, it's almost like Israel saying, well, look, look at what I'm doing. Like, where's your all-powerful Lord now? It's like almost like taunting. It's teasing. And it's really, really frustrating. Like, I can't even imagine how devastating it would be to to see you know our mosque get get destroyed you know that place that connection that that sense of that sense of second home community that's what the that's what the messages are all about right and when someone deliberately targets those it's like oh i'm trying to take you away from that i'm trying to disconnect you from that but even with that i saw i saw a picture today of uh, or a couple days ago of a um of a Jum'ah prayer, like of a congregation happening at, at like at a demolished mosque. It was inside with just the remnants of just nothing. They had some prayer rugs out and you had a group of 30 something people just sitting all together, listening to the khutbah, even in the place that was targeted because that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to disconnect them. They would, they didn't let them, they didn't let them stop. They didn't, it didn't stop them from going out and continuing to do these obligatory acts of service, uh, of acts of, of worship. I mean, there was another picture and I think somebody, I don't know if somebody is on that posted or not, but I remember seeing it somewhere and it was like, um, a group of, of people in Palestine praying under a minaret that's like, like that's tilted you know, so like the mosque is clearly destroyed, but they're still praying in front of it. How beautiful is that? That's like literally a, a, um, a physical manifestation of what Samaya is talking about. It's, it's literal. It's not figurative. It's that they're trying to destroy your connection with Allah SWT, but we're not going to let it. And I think that's something that we have to implement into our everyday lives as well. Um, like, okay, there is that fear. But I'm still going to keep returning to my Lord because that's where the most security is. That's where I'm going to find peace. That's where I'm going to find serenity. Um, and it's, yeah, so I just wanted to reflect on that. Yeah, no, for sure, because we've been seeing so many pictures of people, like, praying on the rubble. Um, and so I just think that, of course, like, that is so, so beautiful. But it, it really just goes back to this idea that, and I've been seeing this everywhere, and then this is something that people have been saying for a long time, but people fear, I think, Islam so much because they know, like, how powerful we would be if we were all united and if we had the power. And it's not power in a way where it's dictatorship, authoritative. It's power like how the Prophet ruled or how um, the world was under Umar ibn al-Khattab's rule. Like, everything would be so much more stable and peaceful and just better for everyone. And that's the reason why, like, they know how significant Islam is and they know how powerful it is because of the way that people connect. Um, and that's what they try to destroy for that reason, because they're scared. And that's something that, this is a motif, I feel like, throughout, like, life from the very beginning of time. Like, you think about bullies, for example. Like, why do people bully other people? Usually because they're jealous of something the other person has. They fear losing something that they have. Why are people jealous of other people? Because they want what someone else has. They're scared of a certain... Whatever. Fear makes you do irrational things. And I think that's why it's so significant and so necessary for us, even with our fear, not to let go of our rationality that is rooted in our faith. Because a lot of people... A lot of people do things out of fear. We don't want to be one of those people that also do crazy things out of fear. We want to do good things even with that fear. We want our fear to push us into doing good actions. Um, something that I wrote like last night, like very quickly, it was super small, but I was talking about these three boys 
literally like boys i mean they're what like teenagers and in their early 20s um how you know they've been shot and i said i don't think people actually understand how terrifying it is to be a muslim right now a hijabi nonetheless we see news stories like this and can't help but wonder if we're going to be next if you have muslim friends or muslim people that you know in general now is a good time to check in on them to stand up for them and to advocate for their protection here and internationally and then I said, the world is a terrifying place, but the world will never terrify us into giving up the one thing that keeps us standing proudly and firmly, our faith. So I think that that's something that's so unique about Islam is no matter how scared we are or no matter what the situation of the world is and the people of Gaza have been showing us this so beautifully, but no matter how scared we are, we know where our place of refuge is. We know where our source of protection is. So like I said, don't be one of those people who just lets fear push them into acting negatively. Don't be one of those people who lets fear literally control them. You want to control your fear. You're scared. Okay, that's fine. I'm scared too. But you can't let your fear of a situation control you because ultimately who has the control? So I think that it's it's really important to kind of shift your perspective. Like, don't be one of those people who fears what people are going to do so you take them out. I mean, that's literally what that's literally what's happening in the world. It's like, oh, we don't we, we fear what you guys are and what you guys can become. So we're just going to take all of you out while we still can. Um, and I, I really wanted to sort of relate this whole episode back to a portion of an ayah in Surah Ghafir. And I remember when when all of this, or I don't even want to say when all this started, but when this bout of violence started near October 7th, um, my mom was actually on the phone with Asil's mom. And I remember I came home and they were on the phone and my mom was talking to Asil's mom about this whole thing and um she mentioned this part of the verse and i i want to sort of um bring it up and relate it to everything that we've been talking about but in surah ghafir um there is the story of of uh, prophet musa and pharaoh and a person who believed and that's it that's all we're given a man who was a believer and he was hiding his faith um at the time because of course i mean pharaoh was a little brutal. Um, so Pharaoh, again, if a lot of you guys know the story of Prophet Musa, but he essentially was talking about how he's he should be the one that's worshipped, he should be God, whatever. And he wanted to shut Prophet Musa up. He just wanted to get rid of him. He didn't want him to be spreading what he believed were lies. He was just like, we need to get rid of this man. Um, and he wanted to kill him. So he, he wanted to kill Prophet Musa. But this this guy who was a believer, and we're, again, we're not given any other information about him, but he was a, he was a believer who was hiding his faith. He he said to, to Pharaoh and to, the, to those people that were, that were with him, he said, will you kill a man only for saying, my Lord is Allah? And I just think that that statement is so powerful because that's what literally everyone is doing. I don't want to say everyone, like every single person, but all of the stuff that happens where Muslims are targeted from the beginning of time, 
You think even back to the prophet's time, peace be upon him, they were killing and torturing those people that were Muslim, that, that decided to believe in the prophet, sallallahu They're targeting them just because they said, la ilaha illallah. So it's a very common occurrence, and it's been happening since the beginning of our time, where people are literally just murdering Muslims because they are saying, my Lord is one, my Lord is Allah. And it's still happening today. And it's happening right now in Palestine. It's happening right now in so many other places around the world. And it's coming here and it's hitting close to home. You have these people getting shot because because they're Arab Muslims. Like, how does that even make any sense? But again, it's in the Quran. It's literally in the Quran. It's it's right there. And it, it's been done before. And it's probably going to be continuing until God knows when. But it's something that does happen. And I think it's so powerful that this that this man who believed, he just made this statement, Are you really going to kill a man just because he says, My Lord is Allah? You know, like, think about that. I just feel like that's so, that's so powerful. No, I love that a lot. And I think, I think that's something that you kind of alluded to throughout when you were talking was that, you know, you, you're, you're talking about the concepts of fear and then we're also talking about the concepts of hate. And I feel like fear is the fuel for hate. When you yeah. fear someone, oh my gosh. that's, it's so true though. When you fear someone, you are more inclined to hate them. And what I mean by that is, for example, and this is a very elementary school example, but say you have a class leaderboard for something and there is someone that you are just neck and neck with and, and to, for being first place in class right? And I'm not saying this is me, but I'm just giving an example over here, right? And you're neck and neck with this person. And this, this person, you are, and you finally got to be number one, but this person is a close second. You're fearing that this person is going to take, is going to end up becoming number one on that leaderboard, right? So what do you do? You grow a resentment towards this person. You don't want to have anything to do with this person because you want to keep your position at the top. And therefore you, you have this growing, animosity and resentment towards this person because you're afraid that this person is going to take your position of power and the reality is that's the way a lot of these things work around the world it's that it's that someone's afraid that they're going to lose their position someone's afraid that they're going to lose their wealth or their power and they see a growing people so for example muslims right like samaya was saying it's a very true fact if we were united and all the muslim you know countries were not being corrupted the way that we see we would we would be you know like how do i say this not sound, sounding arrogant um we would be very powerful we would be a very powerful group of people and we would probably be the majority of the world it's not just the fastest growing religion it'll be the biggest religion because people see the truth because that's what islam is but what what ended up happening is that these people that were just started gaining powers like people in the western world right they saw this they saw what the what the muslim ummas um if they were capable ruled capable of capable yeah. of exactly and therefore they're like okay so they infiltrated it from the inside they got in from the inside and now what do we have we have a broken muslim ummah that it, it that has corrupt people in power because other people were afraid that we were gonna, that they were going to you know use their capabilities right and that's not to say that they were going to use it for anything bad but that's what people were afraid of and therefore what did they do in the process not only did they infiltrate you know, the governments and all of these things. I'm not going to get into all of that. But also, they infiltrated the hearts and minds of the people in the Western world to make them scared of us. And that's how you win. When you make other people scared of another group of people and you feel the hate 
you 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 create the hate in their heart because people don't have the hate to begin with but you create it and therefore it leads you to doing unjust acts towards other people and that's that's the sad reality of what's going on in the world is that people's fear of 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 the truth and of realizing that if they just continue to let the truth grow without you know without stopping it that it would take over and that it would become the dominant and it would become all of these things and and they don't want to lose their power it's not about anything else honestly this world it's built off of people wanting to keep their power and influence and, and, influence and, and their wealth <laughs> exactly that's literally what it is that's that's like we were talking about earlier that is some people's ilah. that's what they believe is their god is their wealth their power that's what they worship Okay, and therefore, they're willing to do anything to another group of people. You know, and the Quran actually warns us about this. Um, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, it tells the believers, Oh, believers, stand firm for Allah and bear true testimony. Do not let the hatred of a people lead you to injustice. Be just. He tells us this in, in the eighth, in the eighth um, verse of Surah Al-Ma'idah. And I find that so, it's, it's, it's a beautiful reminder that, okay, we have, we have all of this going on. And we see the way the Zionist propaganda is versus the the Palestinians and what we're advocating, or the free Palestine, you know, people that are supporting poor Palestine, what they're advocating for. You see on the hand of the Zionists, it's, oh, you know, the most, the most atro atrocious things you could possibly say about another group of people, about children. I'm not even going to say some of the things that we've heard, but I think we've all heard it, and it's disgusting. But what's fueling their, their, their motives? What is fueling their mission? It's that the fear of the Muslims gaining back, of the Palestinians gaining back their land, and it's the hate that has been bred inside of them, and therefore they're willing to say anything. They're willing to, to say anything, and, and if, in a way, they're they're supposedly trying to dehumanize the Palestinians and the Arab Muslims and the Muslims in general, Yani. But in reality, when you choose to succumb to that level of hate and you let Shaitan influence you that much, I hate to break it to you, but I feel like you're dehumanizing yourself. You're bringing yourself to such a low level. That even though you think you're the top of the world and even though you think that you're better than everybody else, the true reality is, is when you when you're able when you are able to say something so confidently, so something so disgusting, but you're able to say it with such pride and such arrogance, you are dehumanizing yourself in the process and you are taking yourself away from any notion of goodness, any notion of even trying to believe in God. And I think that's something that we have to focus on first. Another thing is this is kind of a tangent, a completely different topic. Um, but Samaya and I were both talking about earlier about how you have to hold on to that confidence. You have to hold on to to believing in Allah. And like Samaya was talking about that ayah. And I think that's something so beautiful is that the people of Palestine, they didn't stop doing that. And even us Muslims who are here, who are standing up for what's right, we didn't, we're not hiding our beliefs. And because of that, look at the beautiful doors that have opened up. I mean, we see so many people that are starting, um, you know, Quran reading sessions together and this and that. And, and, you know, you see some very interesting people too who are reading the Quran and they're actually accepting Islam and they are changing their ways. They are returning back to their fitrah. They're returning back to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. They're being given a second chance. And why? That's because we're still holding on to what we believe. We're not letting go of that. And neither are the people of Palestine. The people who you would think that situation, the rest of us, I mean, Allahu a'lam yani, but God knows best. But, like, I feel like if I was put in that situation, I would have no idea how I would react, right? <coughs> um, excuse me. But um, these people are seeing that. They're seeing the faith. They're seeing the resilience. And they're seeing us here that are also holding on to it. And because of that, because we're not hiding who we are, there are more people becoming part of us, becoming part of our ummah. And I think that's that's something that's so incredibly beautiful. It's that it's doing the opposite 
of what these these oppressors want. They're trying to they're trying to erase us, but in reality, they're creating more of us. They're creating more people to accept the truth and see see the lies that they have been fed all of their lives. And um, lastly, I was thinking, and I think this is something that is pretty relevant. Um, but there is so there, during the time of the prophet, there was. Okay, I'm trying not to get into like all of the Sira stuff, but essentially there was a man named Abu Jahl who absolutely despised the Prophet and, and his followers. And he would he would go around torturing, especially in the early days of Islam, he'd go around torturing um the the followers, the Sahaba of the Prophet. And so there was one who by the name of I she was a slave woman by the name of I think it's pronounced Zanira or Zunaira. Is that how you say it? Anyway, she it's one of the two. I don't know how to pronounce it, so you know, everyone. Makes I know mistakes. what you're talking but about. She, so there was, regardless, there was a slave woman that was being, that was um, being tortured by. Zanira, Abu, maybe something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea how I to say it. That, I feel like I remember because it was Omar Sinayman. That yeah, was that's this. actually where I'm getting. That's what I remember. I feel like that was her name. <laughs> if you guys know, know, like, let us know. But we all make mistakes, so I don't remember how he said it, and it was honestly one of the very. I've heard this story about her maybe twice before, but I found it so impactful, so I wanted to share it. But essentially, Abu Jahl was torturing her and he deprived her of sleep food water and he basically tortured her to the point where she lost her eyesight um and so once she went blind he he taunted her and said do you know why you can't see anymore you lost your your eyesight because and he named these two like idols that the Quraysh at the time worshipped have taken them because you have disbelieved in them and abandoned the religion of our forefathers and she lost her eyesight in that moment and she has been tortured she has been deprived of of basic needs and necessities but look at the power and strength that this woman held a slave woman command like not even someone that someone that has already been degraded to the level of a slave by other humans right but she held on to her faith and she said this is what my lord has decided for me this is why i have lost my eyesight my rub can return my eyesight to me my lord can return my eyesight to me who do you think you are and then subhanallah the next day abu jahl comes to her and look she has her eyesight back and I think that's something so beautiful is even in those moments of when she is being taunted and is being you told, like, look at what you believe in. It's a complete disgrace and X, Y and Z. And she still holds firm onto her faith and she still she still held firm onto it. And she continued to say, OK, this is what was decreed for me. That's fine. Who do you think you are to think that you can take this away from me? This was from my Lord. This was not from you. And she was gifted again with another with a miracle of getting her eyesight back. But that's such a profound and powerful statement. Right. That is the mentality and the that we should be having because this is also the mentality that the Palestinians are having because this is exactly what is happening to them. Um, and so I think that's another example of something that we can look at and and model. Okay, people are trying to take away our sense of security and our sense of safety and they are targeting us more. It feels like more than ever. Is that the reality? I'm not entirely sure, but it does feel like hate crimes against Muslims are at, a, at an entire uprise or, or is an incline, Yanni, but... We just have to hold on to that. Who do you think you are? You can't you can't take away something from me that's already deep in my heart. You can't take that away. You can't take away my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you can try, but everything that happens to me is from my, from my Lord, and I will be content with it, and I will be pleased with it. Um, so, yeah. I think that just to kind of go back to this whole fear thing, and, and you were talking about this earlier, they want to make people afraid because that's how they win. And I think that that is so incredibly true. It's so powerful because if you make 
a group of people fear a group of people, then at that point, like, you have the upper hand. So what we can't do is allow them to scare us. And again, like I said, it's perfectly fine to have that fear. It's perfectly fine to have that fear in your heart or to be more aware when you go out somewhere. Um, We've been hearing crazy things, even things that happen like in protests, whatever, you know, even within the Muslim community, there's been a lot of crazy things going on. So it's, again, don't be naive, don't be stupid, don't put yourself in danger, but be, and again, if you're afraid, don't show it. Don't let them scare you to the point where they win, to the point where they now have the upper hand over you. And I think that that is something that when, for example, I'm not trying to shame anyone or pass judgment, but when women decide to take their hijabs off because all of a sudden it's scary to wear it. Um, And of course, like, may Allah protect us all from ever, you know, having that decision to make. But when women decide that they're going to take their hijabs off because they're scared or when women decide or not even just women if, if anyone maybe decide you know what this religion um it, it's putting me in danger i'm not going to practice or if someone's like i'm not going to pray in public anymore because i'm scared you know i'd rather just miss my prayers whatnot when they do that they are literally like tearing you apart brick by brick and you don't even realize it you're justifying these actions you're saying well it's for my safety and God doesn't want, you know, me to put myself in harm. No, of course, Allah does not want you to put yourself in harm. And this religion is supposed to be one that's made easy on you. You know, Allah says that he's made this religion not so it can be hard on us, but so that it can be easier on us. Um, but when you allow them to exert that kind of influence over you, like they have already won. And so, yeah, be scared. Be aware. That's fine. If you want to be afraid, if you feel that fear, I think that's a very normal human response to have. But don't let them tear you down because of it. They're trying to make people scared of you. And yes, that could cause people to then act in a way that makes them feel like they're doing the world a service by getting rid of you. That sounds really bad. But like, I mean, but you, you can't let them make you scared of them yeah. if that makes sense like don't they're, they're trying to make everyone scared of you okay don't let them make you afraid of who you are like don't let them make you afraid of who you are and what you stand for and um don't don't let them make you question or make you doubt who you are what you stand for um so that's that's the first thing because like i said you want to win you make people afraid so you're at a loss if you've allowed people to make you afraid of something that is literally giving you strength all the time. The second thing is that, and this was, we made an episode about this towards the very beginning. It's like our fourth episode. It's called Indivisible. And it's a little bit of a different concept. We were were just talking about, um, I guess, like peer pressure and the Western ideas of, you know, what we should be doing, societal norms versus what Islam teaches, all this stuff. But I'm going to take it back to a point that I've made there and I've made in a couple other episodes. Why is it that we as Muslims are trying so hard to assimilate into who they are um, and we're trying to conform to everything that they are? Why are we letting them tell us 
what's right and what's wrong. If you're a believer, if you're a Muslim, you know the reality of the situation. And the reality is that Islam is the truth and that following Allah and his messenger to the best of your abilities, striving in his cause is what's going to get you into eternal bliss and eternal paradise, inshallah. And we also know the reality of the other side, right? And of course, it's not for us to judge and it's not for us to say who's going where, who's ending up where, so I'm not going to do that. But why are you so inclined to make yourself assimilate or fit in to a group of people who are leading you astray? Yani, you think maybe, okay, by taking my hijab off, now I'm not in danger anymore, right? But that... That is just you really just trying to become what they want you to become. That's their goal. They want to remove Islam from all of us. They want to remove Islam from the world. And how does that start? It starts by making you fear your Islam. And it starts by making you feel endangered by your faith. It starts by them telling you, oh, yeah, take your hijab off. And then someone else whispers, oh, well, why did you ever wear that thing anyway? Like, that's kind of oppressive. Like, don't you think that you should be allowed to wear whatever you want? It starts like that, you know, and then you keep getting these little tidbits of information until you don't even know who you are anymore, you know? So it's so significant. Like, you have to try your best to stay on the truth because really when you think when you think back or when you look back or when you're dead and it's the day of judgment and you're coming to stand in front of Allah, you're going to be like, why did I ever follow those people? And that's a, that's a regret that is mentioned in the Quran of people on the day of judgment, they're gonna say, I wish I would not have taken so-and-so as a friend. Doesn't even have to be a friend, doesn't have to be someone who's close to you, but someone that you let influence you, someone that you let whisper to you, right? Through the shaitan, obviously, but someone that you let in, someone that infiltrated your defenses, maybe because you never had defenses to begin with. And that's why it's so important, and it always goes back to this, and I've been mentioning this so much, but it's so important to learn your religion, to learn who your Lord is, to learn the seerah of your prophet, peace be upon him, to learn what it is that makes you an actual Muslim, what makes you strong, what gives you your strength, who do you go to, who is your refuge, right? Who do you rely on? All of this stuff is so important because if you're just a Muslim who's walking around praying, maybe sometimes fasting, whatever, you have no defenses. You can't. None of us can if that's the kind of stuff we're doing and if we're not seeking any deeper understanding, if we're just doing things, we don't know why we're doing them. Um, so I think that the first step is starts off with, with trying to become as confident as you possibly can in your Muslim identity. That's step number one, educating yourself on your faith, educating yourself on... Um, what your faith means to you, and then educating yourself on other groups of people because it's also very important to know how to deal with other groups of people, to deal with questions. People are trying to take you away from your faith. They're scared of you. They're scared of your religion. Um, and they try to make you scared of your own religion. They try to make you doubt your own religion. If you don't even know how to respond to those kinds of things how do you think you're going to be successful in a situation like that? You're not. You're going to be very easily influenced. Um, so I think that when it comes down to this to this fear, again, don't let your fear of your situation allow people to control what you do. Mm -hmm. Because like I said earlier, fear controls. 
you can either allow the fear to control you or you can control your fear. But if you're allowing fear to control you, you begin to think, well, yeah, maybe they really are right. Maybe I really am in a lot of danger. I feel endangered sometimes when I go places. You know, sometimes you walk by a certain person and you're like, that was kind of scary. I'm glad nothing happened. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, like, are you going to let them manipulate your fear into something that is going to take away your very source of strength? Don't let them do that. Because the second that they do, they've already won. Yeah. No, I love that. You said a couple of things. <clears throat> the first being... Um, you were talking about this concept of, you know, in order to, in order to continue to stay strong with what you know, like we, and we allude to this a lot, but it's, we allude to this throughout a lot of our episodes, but it's that knowledge is key. And my mom, whenever I was younger and I, whenever I think of saying like knowledge is key, knowledge is a superpower, I used to think of my mom when I was younger and she would, she was a teacher, right? So she always had different ways of teaching different people depending on, you know, the type of learner they were and stuff. And there were just some concepts for me in certain subjects that were just difficult for me to grasp and understand. And I would get very, very frustrated with myself. I just didn't understand. And it would just make me want to give up. And she would say, no, you just need to find your key. You just need to find the key to that specific thing. Well, Islam and learning about your religion and reading the Quran, that is the key to everything. That is the key that unlocks everything. It teaches you how to properly debate. It teaches you how to properly encounter those who are opposing you. You know, the Quran teaches you, the Quran, Sunnah, religion, it teaches you the smallest of things from like the etiquettes of eating to, you know, how you should greet people. Your religion and your religion and the knowledge that you have from your religion is key to life. It's your way of, of living. And once you've grasped that and you've held on to it, try your best not to let go of it and try to increase it. There's no such thing as you've learned everything that doesn't exist. Okay? Too much faith. There's that that's, that's not a thing, okay? That 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 really isn't there's no there's no limit. You know, sky isn't the sky is not the limit when it comes to learning about your faith. And when you have a strong grasp of your faith, it's a whole lot harder for these people to bring you down. It's a lot harder for these people to try and like somebody was saying like try and make you become one of them because they don't like it when you stand out as we always say you know and somebody always says this but you know be a stranger and wayfarer in this world or that's a hadith too like and that's that's the reality is that once you learn about your religion once you become more knowledgeable and you choose to act upon it because here's the thing right having knowledge is one thing but choosing to act on that knowledge is another thing if you have knowledge and you're not choosing to act on it you're not choosing to educate other people about it then you have i don't want to say that you have wasted your knowledge in a sense but you really you're not using it to the full capacity that you you possibly could you know so it's not just about gaining the knowledge it's also implementing it and using it through your actions with other people samaya said something she said that um, that she likes to think that whenever she meets someone that she could be the first encounter that they've had with a Muslim, right? And while the reality of that is that might be one of the first good encounters that they've had with a Muslim because we are everywhere. Regardless if they try to erase us or not, we're not going anywhere because we're always going to be here. But in terms of a good religious Muslim who hasn't conformed to the ways of society, yes, she or I or you or whoever, right, could be that very first encounter a person has with someone. So you have to hold yourself true true to what you're representing. You know, you call yourself Muslim. Okay, you need to know what being a Muslim actually means. You know, you call you 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 call yourself 
righteous, you call yourself religious. Okay, that's great. And I am so happy that you have that mentality. What does that mean to you? If someone were to come up to you and ask you that, what does being a Muslim mean? Are you going to be able to tell them? Or are you just going to say, oh, it's just someone who follows Islam? Because it's so much more than that. And it's so much deeper than that. And once you're able to understand that profound level of what being a Muslim actually is, you... I don't want to say you will become unconquerable, but it'll be very you. It'll be very difficult to break you. It'll be di- very difficult to bring you down. And yes, there is that human that Samaya keeps talking about. There is that human feeling of, okay, alhamdulillah, nothing bad just happened because you know some of us, you know, some of us are pretty paranoid, and we can think of a hundred million terrible ways something could go wrong. You know, but I don't even ha- think it's paranoia. I think it's just it's just the reality, like, and it's, yeah. it's the reality. It really it is really like you is. can't be too careful you know you're literally a walking target honestly at this point and that's another thing like for us muslim women yes we are a walking target and now for is what we're seeing for muslim men yes and it it is scary but we still have to you know during those moments of of being fearful we have to remember who's higher we have to remember allah subhanahu ta'ala we have to call upon him even in those moments you can't let it show can't let that fear show because then it shows that they're doing something even though you might be feeling something you got to hold yourself together i think that's something that i remind myself of a lot and samaya is smiling like she has something to say <laughs> one of the stupidest example <laughs> but it's literally so true like you know when like um you go and or, i don't know you there's like a dog that's like on the loose and oh you know how God. like no like they always tell you yeah. like even if you're scared of like a dog coming and running after you because this dog looks really scary like if you show your fear it's gonna the dog can sense that and yeah. it's going to just come at you even <laughs> worse like i don't i yeah. just thought of that like that's why you have to exert your confidence and i don't want to say your authority because i'm not saying you're gonna have authority over people but just like your authority over yourself like your autonomy and being able to believe whatever you want to believe don't let those dogs sense your fear yeah i actually like that a lot i actually really like that a lot because it's so true like when you hold yourself to to a high regards and you hold yourself yourself as if you are a respectable person and you're like you cannot talk to me that way and you you hold yourself to your true standards you know you don't bring yourself down to their same level i think that's something too and this is this is a tangent that i was not planning on talking about this whatsoever and we are 49 minutes in oh my goodness i have but, a lot more to say too. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna try to wrap this up but um where was i going this you can't stoop down to their level. That's another thing. Like, right? You have to hold yourself to high regards. You have to hold yourself to as a respectable person. Someone is cussing you out. You do not need to resort to cussing them out. You know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala curses the one who curses. Do you really want to be put in that situation where you, you end up doing that? And I think I've referenced this hadith before. Um, but I'm just going to summarize it. You can totally look it up and get the extended version. It's it's really good. But, um, you know, there's a hadith going along the lines of how there was... I don't remember exactly, but there was like some uh, people that were, you know, saying things. I believe it was Abu Bakr or Omar, uh, Omar bin Khattab. I think it was Abu Bakr. And he didn't say anything. And the Prophet was with them. And he was, they were saying awful things to him. And then he got up and he responded to them. And in the proce- process, when he got up and started responding to these people on the same level that they were speaking to him in a, in a cruel, not cruel, but like, you know, not exactly the best way, the Prophet got up and left. And once, oh, when Abu Bakr, I believe, um, asked the Prophet, so I said, I'm like, why did you leave? He was like, because 
during that time when they were talking to you, there were angels defending you. But as soon as you got up and you chose to interact with these people on that same level, essentially, I'm I'm paraphrasing this and kind of just giving the summary of the points, um, the angels left, so I left as well. And I think that's something so beautiful we have to realize. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always on the side of the, of the one that holds themselves true, the one that holds themselves to a proper, you know, di dignified. And, you know, the angels are there defending you even if you don't realize it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there even if you don't realize it. So I'm not saying that when someone is throwing slurs in your face and is, you know, saying, these most awful things to you and they're threatening you and stuff you just you just stare at them blankly i'm not saying that at all but what i am saying is that when you respond to people even if you might be terrified in the inside even if you want to start saying the most heinous things and the most disgusting things just to get them to go away you hold yourself to a standard it's like no how would the prophet respond you know how would allah SWT want me to respond how should i respond to this situation and you, you be con god conscious even within those encounters because at, we're all going to face it one day where someone's going to say something disgusting to our faces, right? Are we going to say something disgusting back? Because I don't think that's the way we're supposed to act as Muslims. And I think that's that's a tangent, but I hate it when people, like, someone will curse and then someone will curse back, and I'm just like, why? Just say something better and walk away. Just leave the situation. De-escalate. Don't continue to escalate. Don't add fuel to the fire. Just leave it alone with khalas. Um, and another thing is, and I'm trying to talk quickly so we can hurry up, but... Another thing is we were talking about how as Muslim women, we are targets. It's very obvious that we are women. Uh, Muslim women, yeah, it's very obvious that we're women. But it's also very obvious <laughs> that we, uh, in what we believe in, we stand out, especially when you wear hijab, you stand out. But I was thinking back to an episode that we actually did with our brothers. It was the Insights episode with Abdurrahman and Hisham. And they said something that I never even thought of before. But it was like they don't necessarily blend in, but they blend in more than we do for sure. Um, Hello, white boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they can pass. <laughs> but um, I mean, boys in general, some boys in general can blend in more, some more than others. But you know, they said something is that they still try to make themselves. They still try to make sure that their character. Um, I guess is outstanding. It speaks up right. for that. It stands out for that because. Even if you have that opportunity to blend in, don't take it. Like, why are you going to conform to the words like, oh, look, they can't tell who I really am. I'm just not going to show my beliefs. If I see something wrong or if they ask me a question, I'm not going to just brush it off and just say, yeah, whatever. No, you know, they were both talking about how, you know, if they see something that's not right or if they there's a conversation pertaining to Islam, they're going to uphold their beliefs. They're going to show who they really are and who they tr what they truly believe in. And I think that's something that's really impactful and powerful is even though they both could pass or could blend in they might disagree with that but like my brother at least and i'm like hisham don't even but anyway <laughs> anyway with um, that hair he definitely looks like a little white boy <laughs> he really does in his outfits sometimes anyway it's okay hisham never listens to this so so he's not gonna be offended. and i love my brother so it's it's okay and he knows he knows he just doesn't want to we're just messing it. with him yeah but <laughs> he knows these things it's not that funny. but anyway um you know, even though that that is the reality for them, they make sure that their character stands out and that they that they're that they're different from everyone by by educating themselves on what they believe in. And so that way, when a situation occurs, they don't just blend in with everyone else and stay quiet. They can actually stand up and speak for what they believe in. And I think that that is an ideology and a mindset that we should all be implementing into our everyday lives, regardless if you stand out or not, you really need to make sure your character is what stands out. You don't want people to define you and try to target you just because of what they think about you. Show them. Let them, exactly. Show them who you actually are. Exactly. Let your character change the way they see Muslims as a whole. Let who you are, you know, change it. Don't let it just be an assumption. Let the, the what they think about you 
you know, if they think terrible things about Muslims, let them doubt that. Be so good that they end up doubting the hate that's in their heart. They end up thinking, well, wait a second. Like, that yeah. person was actually really nice to me. And, you know, sometimes you don't even realize that people hate you. Like, like I'm actually serious. Like, there'll be some encounters where, like, you can be talking to someone and you can they can think the most disgusting things of you. And after you get to know this person, like, you know, actually, I thought you were pretty terrible, but I'm coming to realize you're actually not that bad. Like, people do think like that. That's human yeah. nature, you know? So... Don't let people's actions be based off the off of their assumptions. Let their actions that they present towards you base be based off of the way you treated them. Treat them with goodness so that you can receive goodness. And that is not always going to be the universal answer for anything. Allah SWT tells us the reward of goodness is not, is is nothing but goodness. But the reality is when it comes to dealing with people, you might not receive that goodness back from them. You'll receive it from Allah SWT if you're good, sure. But when it comes to interacting with people, okay, you can be as nice as you want. And sometimes that won't always be the case. But a lot of the other times, they might actually change the way that they think. And then they might actually look into what you believe in. And they might actually become more open-minded. And so that way, on the day of judgment, you can say that you did something. You know? And one last... Oh, wait, okay. Do you have something? No, go ahead. No, are well, you sure? I was okay, just going to say really quickly, like... Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> don't, no, no. Don't feed people's assumptions even worse. Yes. Like you were saying, you know, make sure that, you know, be, be so good that they doubt their hatred. Yes, do that. But also make sure that you're not um, confirming their stereotypes or confirming their hatred. Yeah. And I always come back to this quote. There's um, this movie called Wonder. I feel like a lot of people know. Yeah. But there's like this one part of the movie that, oh my gosh. But <laughs> I think it's the mom that tells the little boy... I can't remember what, I can't even remember what his name is now, but like, I love that movie. She tells him why fit in when you were born to stand out. And I feel like that is something that we can so, um, like we can just apply that so well as a Muslim. And we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to talk about it again, but you are not meant to fit in. Like you are yeah. literally meant to be someone who stands out again, like give glad tidings to the stranger. So that's what I wanted to say really quickly. Okay. <laughs> and I have one last point, I think. Wait, do you have anything else to I say? I do, okay. but I just, if you're if well, you're Go talking. ahead and talk. I've been talking for like 12 oh. minutes. It's well, <laughs> I, I want to sort of go through a couple ayahs in Surah Muhammad, to that very first page. Um, we're talking about this concept of fear and hatred and um, protection and all this stuff. In ayah number three... Allah says that, and, and of course, in, this alludes to the ayahs before it, but Allah says, This is because the disbelievers follow falsehood while the believers follow the truth from their Lord. This is how Allah shows people their true state of faith. So already there's that establishment of disbelievers are following falsehood. Maybe they seem like they have all the authority and the power and influence in the world now. Maybe they are the big big people of society. Maybe they're the people that everyone aspires to be like celebrities, whoever, whatever, it doesn't matter. If they're not a believer, they're following falsehood. Again, goes back to my point, why do you want to be like them? But then Allah says, while the believers follow the truth from their Lord, this is how Allah shows people their true state of faith. So a true state of faith means that it's not going to be easily influenced by just anything. If you really are that that strong, firm believer, you're not just going to be swayed in whatever direction. Of course, situations happen, things happen, we fall, but we can get back up. And I think that that's so important to recognize too. So we create this distinction, falsehood versus truth. 
And then Allah tells us, he gives us a command. He says, oh, believers, if you stand up for Allah, he will help you and he will make your steps firm. So if you help the cause of Allah, Allah helps you. And so that is something that we can kind of use to combat maybe some of the worries that we have. If we are standing firm in the cause of Allah, Allah helps us. Allah makes our path easy for us. Allah gives us that confidence to stand firmly even in the face of um, oppression or in the face of a situation where it's a little bit scarier, whatever the situation may be. For example, if you are going out wearing your hijab, and I know I keep coming back to this, it's just the easiest example because it's so relevant, but if you're out, you're going out wearing your hijab and you're like, I'm doing this for you, Allah, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm doing this anyway, Allah helps you in that regard. Allah could protect you maybe from something that was going to happen to you. So it's important to live by this principle too. If you help the cause of Allah, Allah helps you. And then... At the very end of the page, the very last ayah of the page, and I, I love this ayah so much, but Allah says, So we were talking about how Allah is the only protector, the only uh, guardian, but Allah says this is because Allah is the essentially protector of the of the believers while the disbelievers have no protector. So again, even though it might seem like the disbelievers, the oppressors are always the ones who win, they're always the ones who come out on top, that everyone else has to be scared of them, they're the ones enlisting the fear in everyone. Allah explicitly tells us that those who believe have Allah as a protector, whereas the disbelievers do not have a protector. There is no protector for them. This life, and it's so important to know, but this life is really an illusion. And just because someone has the illusion of protection and prestige and the status that they feel like they're so indefeatable, so um, undestructible, that doesn't mean anything if you don't actually have the protection of Allah. So that's that's something else, again, because really this episode was meant to talk about this, this fear, this hatred, all this stuff. Allah is your protector if you're a true believer. And the disbelieving people, they don't have a protector. At least not from Allah. Allah's not their protector. Um, and then I was also just thinking, subhanAllah, I just kind of made this connection as we were talking. Um, but I, both Isi and I, we just got done studying Surah Seba. And the last few verses of the Surah are so incredibly powerful and Allah speaks about fear and in a very extreme way, actually. So the last, I think it's like three or four verses, Allah is describing the reality of um, believe or really the disbelievers on the day of judgment um, and, and what their state is going to be on that day. So Allah starts off by saying, so this word fezir is, is like an extreme terror, like an extreme fear. So Allah saying like, just wait until you see, or if only you could see how horrified and terrified the disbelievers are going to be on the day of judgment without any escape, without any escape. So a lot of us as Muslims, we can fear 
we can feel fear in this world. We can feel, oh my gosh, we can fear the oppressors and what they can do to us in this world. But we don't realize that actually they're going to be the ones in immense fear on the day of judgment. Maybe they're not scared here. Maybe they, they're on top here, whatever. But they are going to be the ones who have this immense fear on the day of judgment and they're going to have no escape. See, the thing is, and I think a lot of us know this, but it can be a really hard reality to come to terms with. We know that even as a Muslim, if we were to die because someone did something to us, like inshallah, we would die as a martyr. We'd go straight to Jannah. That's an escape. Honestly, like you die from this world, you go to Jannah. Great. Like what more could you want? But Allah specifically says on the day of judgment, there's no escape. There's no escape for these people who are going to be terrified. So you're scared here, maybe. But I think take comfort in the fact that Allah is basically very, very clearly telling us, very clearly telling us that they're going to be the ones who are afraid. They're going to be the ones that wish they were like us. So I just kind of want to go through these verses really quickly. Um, so yeah, like I said, if only you could see when they will be horrified with no escape on judgment day, and then they will be seized from a nearby place. And so all of these endings, I remember when I was like first memorizing the surah, they were confusing because it's like makani qarib, makani qarib, makani ba'id, makani ba'id. It's like you have to kind of remember. Um, but firstly, Allah saying that the disbelievers are going to be seized from the place of res uh, not resurrection, sorry, the place of the judgment to the hellfire and there's no escape from that and because of this because they know that they're going to end up in a place that they do not want to end up in they're going to say they're going to say now we believe but Allah is challenging challenging them he says so Allah says um they're going to say okay now we believe when it's first of all way too late how can they proclaim their faith from a place so far away. So what this means is honestly belief and, and proclaiming that belief is only for this world. If you don't do it here, you can't do it later. If you don't do it here, you can't do it at all. If your time is up here and you haven't proclaimed your faith, you don't have a time to do it after that. So Allah saying now they're proclaiming their faith from a place so far away from the world where they could have done it. And then... Allah says that they used to disbelieve in it before. They used to disbelieve in it before. They already rejected it before. And then they used to essentially guess about and make assumptions about the hereafter and the unseen in a, in a, in a way that they're making fun of it from a place so far away that they used to make fun of and they used to um, make these, these uh, just, you know, taunting assumptions about the unseen from a place so far away, essentially from the unseen. So in this world, in this dunya, they used to say all these things and they used to think all these things in a way that was um, just taunting, right? But they were at a place so far away from the unseen. So essentially, these these verses, I think they're honestly some of my favorites, but um, it, it really gives us the reality of the disbelievers, of the oppressors. They're going to be terrified. They are going to wish they were like you in this dunya. They're going to wish that they could proclaim their belief. They're going to wish they could escape. Um, so don't let them control you by fear because they're going to be the ones that are horrified. They're going to be the ones that are terrified. Keep doing what you're doing because they're going to wish that they could have been like you. <coughs>
I'm so sorry. No, you're good. I keep talking, but um, that was no, that was beautiful. I I love those ayats a lot. Um, and you kind of okay. I have one more point, but you kind of alluded to it at the end when you were talking about those verses. But you said like they're gonna wish that they were like you. They're gonna wish that in this life they they behave the way you did because then they see what the reality is is essentially gonna be like. And I, I was thinking about it like. Um, another tactic tactic of hatred is taking the believers and turning them against each other. Mm. And that is something that we have to be very, I'm going to keep this short, but we have to be very wary of. We can't let them do that to us. Because as soon, it's not only that they're trying to get you to doubt yourself. It's okay, even if you increase yourself in knowledge, even if you... Um, you know, even if, if you increase yourself in knowledge and stuff, they're going to want you to turn against each other. So that way, you know, you, you, you turn on, on one another and you, you, you end up becoming weaker. So it's you're turning on yourself. And if you're not able to do that, then you become, then they let you, they let you take what you have and they, and they're like, okay, well, oh, well, isn't that person doing it wrong? And you end up turning on each other. And that's something that we really, when we see everything that's going on, we can't, be enemies towards one another, yes. right? We already have so many people that are hating from the outside. We can't hate from the inside as well. Right. It's not, if we do that, then we're just weak. We're just weak on all ends. We're, we're being attacked on all ends, right? So of course, yes, if there's somebody in your community that might not be doing the best thing or this and that, you can advise all you want, but don't don't belittle one another. And there's actually an ayah, and it says, and those who come after them, oh, they'll say, there, this is a dua, and I want to end off with this, but it says, our Lord, forgive us and our fellow believers who have preceded us in faith. But then it says, and do not allow bitterness into our hearts towards those who believe. Our Lord, indeed, you are ever most gracious, ever, ever gracious, most merciful. And I think that that's something we also really need to think about is we can't be bitter towards one another. There is so much hate going on from the outside. We can't hate from within. And I think that that dua and that statement, it's not only a dua, but it's also a statement from Allah SWT. It's a commandment. Don't don't do that to one another. Why, why would you do that? There's already so many things weakening, weakening us from the outside. We can't be weakened. We can't be weakened from the inside as well, you know, because then you're just yeah. going to fall and they're just going to they're going to get what they, they think that they can get in this life. And then in the next, when you're when you're going to testify, you're gonna be like, oh, well, I contributed to that, contributed to that in some way. So to be the best person you can be and build each other up. Yeah, and I yeah. always say this too, but like we can't expect the support of other people if we're not supporting exactly. ourselves within our own community. Yes. So, so. Um, yeah, I think be there for each other and support each other and don't like this is not the time to be turning on each yeah. other. It's not the time to be judging. We it's not the time. Like we another. are Muslim. Everyone's on their own level of faith, on their own journey, but we are we are all Muslim and we're in this together. I know that sounds really cliche, but we're in this together. <laughs> So, um, let's not, yeah, let's not separate ourselves. Like there's, there's no reason for that. So that's that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Maybe we should get a new outro too, but thank you guys (laughs) so much for listening. (laughs) It's not like you'll hear us next week.